Hello and welcome back to the Bitcoin Cash podcast following Bitcoin Cash on its rise to global reserve currency. Today is Wednesday the 17th of March 2021 and today we're going to be talking about cryptocurrency gets cool and the Bitcoin BTC bubble. Uh, Really, really important to note we're not going to be talking about whether, well, I guess we will be talking about it, but the difference between Bitcoin being in a bubble and Bitcoin being a bubble, uh, which is a huge, huge distinction of of what's changed recently. No guess this week because I have not had a lot of time to line somebody up and the previous solo episodes have been super popular. So I figured, well, give the people what they want. Uh, I personally like having a guest. I think it's fun to mix it up, but uh, everybody's loving these solo, in-depth kind of episodes. So we'll do another one uh, this week, right? So let's crack on with it. First things first, the price, as always, uh, USD $537 per Bitcoin cash. So down uh, a little bit uh, this this week from last week, about 40 bucks, I think, but also still solidly in the 500 range it was down below 500 uh, now back up a bit and one bitcoin btc now buys 108 bitcoin cash so bitcoin cash really struggling it's been fluctuating uh btc it's been up over 60,000 it's been down under 55,000 so the ratio does swing back and forth quite consistently but uh, BCH anyway uh, not doing uh, particularly well on this uh, individual day right so the transactions have are still stable it's still more than 330 340,000 ish per day for BCH so it's still uh, outperforming BTC every single day which is more in the between about 280,000 and 310, 320,000. But for the last month, both uh, BDC, which is capped, so it's not going anywhere, uh, but down and uh, BCH uh, have been pretty stable in their transaction uh, volume. So I I actually thought, uh, and I'll acknowledge, I thought the BCH would keep growing and growing. I wasn't really expecting it to plateau off a bit here but it has i mean i don't think it's the end of the world i think it does sort of give some evidence that this growth is is rather organic because anybody who wants to say oh well it's all spam transactions or it's all just people using noise.cash to spam 10 cents for 20 minutes uh, and then leaving it and forgetting all about cryptocurrency that doesn't really line up. I, if there's 320, 330,000, 340,000 transactions every single day, some somebody's doing that, and it's not uh, based. If it's for an entire month, it's obviously not just one media event or one app going viral in one community or something flash in the pan that just dies out because we have we haven't seen that so. Personally, I, I actually think it's quite a good thing. It shows that uh, Bitcoin Cash is just consolidating uh, its 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 utility among a, a group of people, and that it will just uh, slowly continue to spread. And 
we'll just have to wait and see what it is but maybe uh maybe something different will be will trigger the next huge uh set of set of growth it's hard to know but the point is that it's not uh, capped so that that could happen basically at any time it might not happen but the potential is there uh where for bdc it isn't and, and if there is something like that if the bch transactions do just uh start rocketing up uh because a whole new crowd of people all get excited about it then uh bdc is going to be left in the dust as far as transaction volume goes probably forever at the at the next big uh spike in in uh transactions per day for bch but again hard to hard to know uh if or why well, I, I don't I don't, I don't think it's really a case of if but when when it will happen it's more it's more the point okay so let's uh move on to some news so i i think one of the big things that drives cryptocurrency which just drives the world these days uh with the internet and everything is obviously memes everybody loves a good a good a good meme especially i i don't i, I can't i suppose even say especially young people because uh older an older crowd they definitely get in on it too they don't necessarily always understand the exact uh, format or the template that they're using but they do they do they do give it a shot so a little while ago a few weeks back i made this uh post where one of my favorite memes is this meme of the distracted uh, boyfriend for people who've uh, seen it before where basically there's one girl uh, in red who is walking uh, towards the camera, but she's sort of a little bit uh, like blurred out. The focus of the camera is not on her, but she's walking out. And the focus is on this couple that are walking the other way behind her, uh, which is a... Uh, a boyfriend and girlfriend really and the, so the boyfriend's in the middle in between the girl in red and his girlfriend is on the other side is wearing light blue so there's sort of a bit of a contrast even though they're both uh, brunettes uh, but they have these contrasting outfits <laughs> and the boyfriend is holding the hand of the girlfriend but he's turned around to look at the at the girl in red so he's ignoring his uh, girlfriend on the right to look at this other girl on the left and obviously her uh, backside has particularly caught caught his attention and he's got it he's got a look on his face like oh yeah i gotta try and get me some of that and then the girlfriend uh, uh, as you might imagine has this expression of uh, uh not really disgust but of uh surprise and just affront she's feeling like oh what what is going on with my boyfriend looking at these other women right and i think it's such a, a funny meme format because then people put one one uh word or one concept on the girl in red one concept on the boyfriend and one on the on the girlfriend which is that <laughs> the concept in the in the middle the boyfriend is sw less interested in whatever the uh, the girlfriend one is and is more interested in this uh, other girl in the red, whatever that is, right? So I made this meme, which is the boyfriend, it just says transactions, and then the girl in red has the Bitcoin Cash logo on her face, uh, and the girl, the girlfriend, uh, who's being ignored, has the Bitcoin 
uh, logo on her face with the orange, uh, the orange one. So it's the green and orange kind of contrasting it in the middle. It's just transactions, right? The idea that, well, people have got to make transactions. They've got to make financial transactions. And obviously with the fees being so much lower on Bitcoin cash, well, they're going to move, they're going to move over, right? Uh, and probably so, some of the people who do transact on BTC slowly, they're figuring, they're figuring it out and they're switching over to uh, BCH. You definitely see posts on Reddit, on Twitter or whatever of people who are saying, what, what is this fees of $10, $15, $20? Uh, and then of course people jump in in the replies and say, look, you should check out uh, BCH. And then if it's on Reddit, well, they get uh, censored, then the comments get removed. So it's a bit of a narrative there, but um, anyway, I'm, uh, so I made this meme. I thought it was pretty funny, pretty uh, pretty simple, distracted boyfriend, <laughs> Bitcoin cash transactions in Bitcoin. Uh, and then I saw just coincidentally a few days later that this uh, Cointelegraph, who I think are one of the Bitcoin news uh, sites, they, they made their own version of it where they actually drew, uh, in, instead of the having the girls, they replaced them with, they actually drew like a, uh, a cartoon version of the coin with arms and legs sticking out, uh, walking, walking, uh, you know, away or towards the camera, uh, and the logos of the Bitcoin cash and, uh, sort of a Bitcoin symbol replacing the girlfriend. So, I thought I thought that was pretty funny, and it's it's incredible how the internet picks up on things that you just put into the ether, and then it just remixes them slightly. Or there's no need for attribution or credit, right? I don't think I'm some genius for coming up with this uh, meme. I just think it was funny that obviously it hit enough of a, a chord uh, with this other <laughs> this other uh, publication that they decided, look, let's do our own uh, spin on that and put it in our. Um, Put it put it in our in our article or what I couldn't even find what was the uh, exact article I just found I just found this image so even with a reverse image search, so who, who knows what's going on there but uh, obviously obviously somebody liked the idea and I think it sets the stage a little bit for the idea of cryptocurrency spread being quite viral I mean it's unfortunate we're in a pandemic to use that language but that's that's the facts right ever since it started it it has moved as a as a meme or virally right it it has a network effect so it benefits from hype it benefits from a lot of people piling in all at once uh, and then a lot of people getting more interested as a result and so this kind of use of internet memes and and so on has always been a big part of uh, the bit, the Bitcoin story because if you just sum up the right thing in the right way, maybe with a bit of humor or something, and get it in front of the right group of people, well, your adoption can can take off basically just from that. I mean, obviously, Dogecoin is the classic example of that. Uh, literally, a currency that has very little uh, fundamental strength in terms of its development community or in terms of the soundness of its monetary properties or anything. But it's just it's it's just it catches on. It's a meme. It's got it's got the Shiba you know uh, picture, and it's funny, and people can relate to it, and so a lot of people buy into it periodically uh, when the mood strikes them. So I think it is very important for cryptocurrencies to have that viral potential because if you do have that potential, you can't 
predict exactly when, but you're at least creating the circumstances for a huge spike in adoption. Uh, and if you don't have that potential, well, who knows whether it would or it wouldn't have, but if you don't have the potential, it definitely won't, uh, right? So I think one thing that we're, we've seen with this actually is this huge trend in cryptocurrencies of so-called NFTs, right? Which is non-fungible tokens. And this started on Ethereum, but I suppose it will spread around onto other cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin Cash has it with SLP tokens and so on. And, and it's this idea that uh, it's a token, right? So it's like a cryptocurrency coin, but it's non-fungible, right? Which means it's distinct from everything else. If you have a fungible currency, it means that if I give you a $20 note and somebody else gives you a $20 note, well, you don't really care which is whose notes, right? $20 is $20 and you would just trade that around to anyone. But if I gave you a piece of artwork, which there was only one of in the world, and somebody else gave you a piece of artwork, which is there's only one of in the world, well, those two things would have a very different value because they, they were unique objects, which you couldn't just uh, mix and match them without, without caring about the difference. So NFTs is uh, really quite a fundamental usage of cryptocurrencies that has now gone a little bit viral but it's really just a manifestation of people beginning to understand the idea of digital property which is what cryptocurrency uh, created right when bitcoin was first released it gave the world for the first time digital scarcity that you could only have 21 million bitcoins and you couldn't just copy and paste right before that you could have a word document or you could have any digital object and people could just copy and paste 10 million of them or 100 million or a trillion or an infinite number. And obviously you can't run a currency where people can do that because otherwise the supply just trends to infinity and the value trends to zero. So you need to have a fixed supply and humanity didn't know how to create fixed supplies of digital things until cryptocurrencies. And now that we've got cryptocurrencies, as this idea is sort of settling into the population, uh, that you can have a limited digital thing, then uh, it's caught on with these NFTs in Ethereum where anybody who basically is famous can essentially just monetize uh, that fame pretty directly by releasing an NFT which can't be copied, there's only one of it, and they can make it whatever it is. And it's, it's actually a lot of these things have sold quite effectively, even if it is things that can be duplicated, like for instance, a image or a song or a video or whatever, uh, people can just sell <laughs> sell their NFT of this is my screenshot, right? Jack Dorsey, who was the CEO of Twitter, he sold an NFT of his uh, first ever tweet uh, for like, <laughs> I think it was hundreds of thousands of dollars or it might have even been millions, I can't remember, but he recently did that. Again, it's a bit of a publicity uh, stunt type of affair, but it just goes to show is that p people will pay for that kind of something that is exclusive, even something as ridiculous as an exclusive tweet, <laughs> which is publicly available and you can read anywhere as a, a sort of collector's item, right? People have collectible trading cards and they have collectible video games and they have ancient you know old book collections and people love collecting stuff right so 
if you can make something that people want to collect, like in this case, these NFTs, uh, there's obviously a market for it, right? So the potential for this has been around for a long time, but it's just only recently somehow got a bit of steam rolling in the in the in the online uh, community. And so personally, I think this is great. This is amazing. This is the kind of thing that is cool. That people people like this stuff, right? Uh, cryptocurrency has always been cool after a sense, but it used to be cool, like. It, it was cool, like drugs and hackers and online anonymous markets and anarchists and all this kind of stuff, which is cool. It's exciting and it's interesting, but it's also it's also not very pop culture. It's not it's not very friendly. People look at it and they're oh, okay, I might just stay on the fringes of that a little bit, right? They're not going to be necessarily rushing to get involved unless they're particularly. Um, unless they're not, not particularly averse to it, right? Unless they have a particular attraction to that kind of thing, they're not gonna get involved. But of course, as time has gone on and, and some of that stigma has sort of worn off as a lot of early adopters have already all uh, piled in and they've made it a bit more understood and they've talked to a lot of people about it, people have heard about it a lot. Uh, they, they sort of lose a bit of that sense of, well, it's something dangerous and fringe uh, and it becomes more something that's just kind of a bit uh, you know, cutting edge and a bit, a bit trendy, uh, and whatever. And so, uh, Elon Musk has obviously uh, recently invested in Bitcoin and is now uh, excited about NFTs because he made this tweet, which I absolutely love, uh, which says, "I'm selling this song about NFTs as an NFT." Right. So obviously, it's a bit of a, a bit of a joke where uh, it's sort of referencing onto itself, right? But I'm gonna. I'm gonna play it here. Uh, let, let me see here. So here's here's Elon Musk's NFT song. I think it's a bit. It's all right. It's two minutes. We might just listen to it all in its entirety because uh, it's it's pretty good. NFT. And then it just repeats, right? So it's, it's that exact same thing again. Uh, and for the audio listeners, uh, the the sort of video that accompanies this is this kind of trophy. It's this ludicrously gaudy 
golden uh, digital trophy type thing, which is floating in space. Uh, and on the top, it has a neon sign in pink, which says NFT. Uh, and then at the base of it, it has uh, the words computers never sleep. And it's sort of rotating, spinning in space as this uh, song is going on. Uh, and then HODL, H-O-D-L, which is the cryptocurrency meme of uh, holding onto your cryptocurrency, right? And then the sort of uh, little, it's I think it's the Shiba Inu uh, doges in gold are on there. And then there's some sort of raised hands and there's this huge kind of planet looking thing. Maybe it's supposed to be the moon uh, at the top and these uh, things circling around it. So it's all, it's all very like ready player one uh, and very s cyberspace uh, futuristic kind of uh, thing with a bit of a retro twist uh, in the neon lighting and everything and and it's just so it's just so patently ridiculous uh, but it's it's very uh, it's, it's very attractive it's very interesting I I, re I watched this about five or six times because it's just the most ridiculous idea that you could own this extremely exclusive uh, trophy in in cyberspace uh, and that's that's obviously what Elon has made uh, to share to everyone so uh, I don't know he didn't really link to uh, where he's selling it I actually hadn't noticed it before but he said at the bottom actually doesn't feel quite right selling this <laughs> will pass right so it's obviously it's distributed for free anybody can just look at it on his twitter but he's decided he's not gonna <laughs> he's gonna hold on to his exclusive uh, nft but um you know but uh, so you know this has got uh 28.4 thousand retweets and 222,000 likes so this is this is undoubtedly connecting with people i mean pretty much anything elon musk does on twitter probably is going to get uh, a huge amount of likes and follows right but it's it's just very it's just very engaging and it's very uh viral and i think one thing that people uh, obviously it is a bit of a joke right the whole selling an nft is an nft and uh, his song about them and the ridiculous like look of it and everything but the lyrics uh, which we heard there so they are nft for your vanity computers never sleep it's verified it's guaranteed right and that's actually subtly some pretty clever lyrics you might not uh, think it at first Plans, but obviously it has nft you know that's the whole point of the song it's a song about nfts for your vanity right so that's the idea that uh people people just want these nfts to to sort of feel good about themselves or or to flatter themselves that they own uh one of a kind uh they don't actually have any real world utility you just feel good about owning them computers never sleep uh, is the third line and that's kind of going to the point of having a blockchain right is it's this 24 7 thing that can't be switched off it can't be taken offline there's no body in charge of it uh, and that we're moving into this future of uh, where cyberspace is always going right? even for a while people have obviously known about the 24-hour news cycle and how that's changed from when the world used to just be uh, cut up into certain locations where okay this was the time that 
the 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 day and night is you know between these. Now the world is just this interconnected, uh, perpetually running uh, machine. And so even you think now the stock market, like with GameStop and the New York Stock Exchange, that only trades in certain hours. It's kind of ridiculous, right? People are more used to the idea that computers don't sleep. We should have this stock. Uh, you know, the cryptocurrency it trades twenty four seven. It never stops. Um, so that's that's uh that's definitely hinted at here he's sort of uh pl playing on that and then the last two lines it's verified and it's guaranteed uh again sort of these uh, nods to the blockchain the idea that yeah that that's that is the whole point of having a blockchain that it verifies and guarantees the authenticity of your assets so in the case of Bitcoin Cash, it might be that you know you can't get fake Bitcoin Cash, right? It, it just it, do, it doesn't happen. I mean, so somebody could maybe lie to you if you didn't know what Bitcoin Cash was and tell tell you they were giving you some when they weren't. But if you understand how it works and you have a wallet uh, that is on the on the blockchain uh, and is checking from uh, a variety of nodes, which they just do behind the scenes, then somebody can't scan that QR code and click send and your wallet will pop up unless they're sending you real Bitcoin cash. It, it doesn't have, that is the entire fundamental point of the entire blockchain was to perfectly track all of the different uh, assets as to what goes where and who owns what. Uh, so yeah, these, these lyrics, NFT for your vanity, computers never sleep, it's verified, it's guaranteed. I mean, if uh, Elon wrote this, if he didn't just outsource this to somebody where he said, ha ha, I've had this great idea. Um, let's just do a, a joke about NFTs being, you know, selling them as a song. Uh, if he did this himself, which I would, you know, I wouldn't uh, say is, is even that unlikely. I, he did, he has made a electro song before. Uh, then this is, this is actually, actually pretty, actually pretty clever. Uh, to whether or not uh, everybody who uh, watched it just thought, "Wow, this is kind of uh, kind of funny and kind of a joke," or, or whether they, uh, you know, caught on to some of that depends, I guess, how much they know about cryptocurrencies. Um, but yeah, and and I just think th this is uh, that that's just all it is is that now cryptocurrency is being a bit more approachable and it is going into that sort of meme realm, which is just getting people comfortable with it. So the fact that it can now spread around people who get interested in NFTs, they can get interested for any ridiculous reason, just because this is this funny thing, what's Elon tweeting about, right? And then maybe they look into it and then maybe they get into Ethereum or they want to buy their own NFT or whatever it is, right? That's one of the huge strengths of cryptocurrency is that you don't need to understand all of the hundreds of things that I talk about on this podcast when you first get interested in it. Yes. I mean, hopefully you do eventually, right? After slowly reading up more, listening, learning through experience, um, maybe over years or whatever, uh, you understand all these different aspects to it. But to start with, it just needs to be one thing which gets you curious. It can be speculators that get excited because the price rockets up and they think they can get rich. Or it can be people who are ideologically uh, invested who, when uh, Julian Assange or Edward Snowden get their uh, PayPal accounts shut down, they think, oh, wow, you know, that's overreached by the government, right? They could 
get involved for that reason or in this case they could get involved just because there's some meme trending on twitter and it happened to be one that they found funny right so uh this is just really shows that cryptocurrency it's it's going mainstream when i was thinking about this earlier today and how how i would characterize or describe this i thought of it as being it's like pop music it's uh cryptocurrency is going from being some niche you know (laughs) screamo metal or whatever that only appeals to a very certain amount of people to being refined or to sort of mutating its way somehow into the mainstream something that most people can sort of get get a hold of and think yeah you know it's not it's not all rough edges and intimidating it it's just light-hearted and and fun and everybody can enjoy it it doesn't need to be about these huge ideological battles or the state or fiat currency or any of that crap it can just be about about this is just cool and fun and and get involved you know just welcome everybody to to be involved low barrier to entry and so on i think that's great right so uh this all comes right in the context of the bitcoin uh bubble which is is very uh, i don't know how, how to say but it's almost a bit like a bit destined really is that bitcoin has gone up and now it's been it's hit over sixty thousand dollars and it's become this uh global story in a sense of cryptocurrency reaching new highs and and everything like that but even though its price is so ridiculous and it's at such a point of uh finance that it's worth more than a trillion dollars right which was if you told somebody eight years ago bitcoin will be worth a trillion dollars they might think, oh, yeah, yeah, that's never ever going to happen, right? Um, especially because it's it's now been twelve years, and there's this stat, right, that Bitcoin took twelve years to get to one trillion dollars, and Google, one of the most phenomenally successful globally adopted uh, products and companies in the world, took twenty two years, right? So Bitcoin is nearly twice as fast as Google to acquire that amount of uh, financial relevance in the world so it's done that on the back of this uh bubble right where it's gone from uh ten thousand dollars to about sixty thousand dollars between october of 2022 and march of 2021 and that in itself isn't really that uh noteworthy to me right this is not a new thing for bitcoin the fact that it's in a bubble like this it historically has always had this pattern where it meanders along for a few years, then it gets hyped up, it goes viral, the price skyrockets, then it crashes and it uh, finishes higher than the baseline of where it was before, but there's sort of a very volatile up and down uh, spike. So if we zoom in on what now looks like quite a small um, you know, bump, the last one, which was in November 2017 of January 2018, where Bitcoin went from about $1,000 up to $17,000, and then it fell back to down around three or four thousand dollars, right? And then it carried on until we got this latest um, spike. Uh, and before that, in uh, 2013 of uh, November 2013, January 2014, it kind of did the same, where it was about three hundred dollars, and then it had this huge run up to thirteen hundred dollars, and it crashed back down, and it ended up I think it was about five hundred, six hundred dollars at at times there, right? So 
this cycle is very well known. It's not necessarily that noteworthy that it is in a bubble right now. But the difference, I think, uh, having been in those uh, bubbles, and there, there was even more bubbles before that, right? We're not going to do a whole episode on uh, Bitcoin, the bubble cycle, and breaking down every single bubble. I'll do that on a different episode uh, to focus on it. But just the essential idea that this is not a new phenomenon, uh, I think bears repeating because for me this time it is quite different, which is that even though Bitcoin has had this huge upwards increase in its, in its price, it hasn't gone viral. Every other bubble, all of the previous bubbles, it came from some new breakthrough in the community. Right, the price was obviously going through the roof, and that makes everybody, uh, you know, jubilant and overexcited, and the community goes absolutely bananas for a while, as new people are just flooding in, and everybody's interested, and Bitcoin just is breaking records, and there's news stories all around the world, uh, and everything like that. But it comes with, oh wow, this new huge retailer has accepted Bitcoin, and and uh, it would come from a big new step towards becoming the global uh, reserve currency, exactly like I say in the tagline of this show. This time around, that that hasn't happened, right? So I think here, yeah, so I've got these pictures that I took uh, in London uh, in the last week where I've been seeing these... Um, these signs, this company Luno has made these ads, uh, which say, so they've got one here which has on a bus uh, shelter, uh, which says bus stop, says find out why everyone's talking about Bitcoin, and then a picture of the Bitcoin logo. And then they have another one here, which is always in the underground, which says if you're seeing Bitcoin on the underground, it's time to buy. And then the same picture of uh, the sort of Bitcoin logo type of thing. So even though they're these signs of Bitcoin spreading into the general population and appearing everywhere, right? If you're not somebody that regularly follows cryptocurrency, this is how it appears to you. You don't, you just forget about it or whatever. And then every couple of years, suddenly it's everywhere for three or four months. Everybody's talking about it and then it dies off and you think, okay, glad that's over. Right? And then suddenly it does that again. And we could, it, it feels like we should be in one of those periods now and we are to some extent in the sense of that there's these ads I've also seen them on the uh, red buses right in London there there's been a bunch of them around but even in these ads it's it's about the price if you're seeing Bitcoin on the end again it's time to buy right it's not the ad does not say Bitcoin is taking over the world it does not say uh, 35 merchants in your area now accept Bitcoin it doesn't say uh, have you traded Bitcoin for a Coke with your friend yet? Or have you bought a sausage roll or something, right? It's, it's just about the price. Even the advertising is about the price. When the advertising should be about, oh, this is the future of money and uh, it's going to, yeah, it's going to be global reserve currency and uh, everybody's trading sh shit or maybe it's hyping NFTs or, or whatever it is. But even though there is this sort of uh, advertising for Bitcoin, there's no actual excitement, right? There's, okay, Tesla accepted uh, Bitcoin as a bit of a publicity stunt, but they're not really uh, doing a lot of commerce. It's not like a giant uh, supermarket chain is going to accept Bitcoin because the fees are too high. 
no, I, I don't know and I can't see any evidence anywhere of anybody earning Bitcoin, you know, swapping over their jobs to earn Bitcoin or spending Bitcoin at merchants. There's not really any new commerce, right? It's just turned into this financialized bubble where previously, previous bubbles, like I said, it would come from a big retailer like Steam when they were selling, uh, they're selling online games, obviously, and they announced they're you know, accepting Bitcoin. And then uh, lots of people were, were buying these games from them. And I guess the employees, the company were thinking, wow, look at this new revenue stream uh, we've got. And other people could look in from the outside and see, oh, okay, look, it's a real currency. It's, it's actually happening. It's not just something that you trade <gasps> of an exchange hoping to get rich, right? That there is there is an actual fresh economy being created here. And in this case, there's absolutely none of it. So it just, it just feels a, a little bit hollow, to be honest. Um, the whole, the, this, this whole bubble to me, I, it, just, it, it just is different. You can sense in the community that it's not like the previous ones, which was such a celebration of cri cryptocurrency spreading around the world. This time it's like, well, the price has gone up. And I mean, obviously uh, people who are invested are excited about that, but they're, they're just excited about the price going up. It's not the price is going up as we're breaking through to the mainstream and as more and more people are trading uh, Bitcoin. And as you know, my friends will now accept Bitcoin when I send them, when I want to pay them back for a beer because it's really hyper and it's nothing like that. No, nobody's doing that. Um, and I think the listeners can probably relate because I doubt any of them, <laughs> uh, any, any of you, I doubt any of you have, uh, have seen that anywhere that oh, suddenly everybody's trading Bitcoins. No, they're not They're If they are, they're doing it on an exchange to try and make us dollars or to make uh, some sort of fiat currency. They're not buying real goods and services amongst themselves. Right. And the reason is, of course, that the fees, it's just so expensive, right? So over the last year, it's got here April 2020, the fee was about $1. And it's just sort of slowly been creeping up and creeping up. So then in June, it was closer to, you know, three or $4. And then by August, okay, now we're in the $6 ish range. And then November 2020, okay, it spiked up a bit. And it was like $12. Uh, and then okay, January 2021, okay, between about the six to 15 or $16 range. And then February, 2021, the lowest it was at was at $12, but up to even $24. And now in March, uh, the lowest it's been at 13 or $14 and up as high as uh, nearly over $30, right? So the, the fees are just ramping up. And probably again, I, I'll sort of think that it will happen kind of at a faster and faster rate because when you have a, a cap on something, if there's any increased use of the currency, the only lever is the fees and the fees just climb up and up and up and up. And as more and more people want to be transacting their Bitcoin, when the price drops, there's just so many people that they just want to cram through their transaction that it just, there, there's not really big uh, respites in the, the, in the time where the transactions aren't super expensive. And maybe previously there there was right and that's why bitcoin cash was not necessarily taking off until quite recently because even if the fees were slowly getting more expensive well you know there wasn't really that many people that were transacting 
for real goods and services, right? Where it's quite time sensitive because if you're sending it to a cryptocurrency exchange to trade around, well, okay, if the fees are a bit high or it's a bit unreliable, well, I mean, it sucks you sit there and fret about it, but it's not the end of the world. Whereas if you're at a shop and you're trying to buy a donut and you try and send it and it doesn't work and the merchant's looking at you like, what's going on? But Bitcoin was not being used in those use cases. So it didn't really matter so much that it was, the pain was not felt by the end users uh, as immediately as I expected or as any, I think, of the Bitcoin cash or the original Bitcoins uh, expected because that was that was what we used it for. It was used for buying and selling uh, goods and services in a, in a real economy. So these fees have just been ramping up, right? And so I checked in on our Bitcoin uh, from which I was banned many, <laughs> many, many moons ago, uh, but uh, which has committed itself to this pathway of capping the block size and anybody who has any alternative ideas is just a heretic and needs to be uh, cast out and censored from uh, spreading their evil ideas to anybody else. Uh, but I looked on their front page and of course, like I was saying, there's been a lot of hype about the price, right? So people, it's at all time highs, people are really jubilant and excited. But despite that, uh, on the, the front page, I found this uh, post, just, the, just coincidentally, the one time I checked in on it, which is by this uh, post at Summer Love, Summer Lover 69. Uh, and they say, if Bitcoin is going to be mainstream, we need to move on from not your keys, not your coins. Right, so this is, this should be red warning lights, should be sounding klaxons going off in the minds of any BTC supporters who actually understand cryptocurrency, because this saying, not your keys, not your coins, really does sum it up, which is that the idea that the whole point of a, a cryptocurrency is, uh, like I was explaining with the NFTs, that you, they cannot be faked, but they only can't be faked if you're the one holding the keys, right? In a bank, you give your $10 to the bank and then you just trust that the bank is not going to hand it out to somebody else. And when you go back, it'll still be there. But of course the bank does hand it out to somebody else. And then when you go and get it, well, if some other sucker, if you aren't getting their money, you know, if everybody tries to withdraw their money at the at once, it's called a bank run and there's not enough money to go around, right? And so cryptocurrency fixed that by having the blockchain keep track, keep perfect and undeniable and publicly verifiable track of who had what with no central person able to sort of uh, change the, you know, change the numbers to their own whim. So that's the point of cryptocurrency. And I urge all of the listeners to this call uh, to, you should be looking after the cryptocurrency in your own wallet. If you want to buy some, obviously you can go to exchange and buy it, but don't just leave it sitting in the exchange because if that exchange goes bust or they vanish, or if um, you know the government uh, decides they want to tax those coins or anything, they can just do it. That's if, if they're not your keys, if you do not own the private keys in your wallet, on your phone, or on your uh, desktop computer, wherever you have them, if it's not in your wallet, it's, it's, it's not yours, basically. If it's with some other service like PayPal, or like Revolut, or like Robinhood, or anything like that, you know, you just, you have essentially fake cryptocurrency, and you're just hoping 
that nothing goes uh, goes wrong with it. So obviously there is a burden. So if you want to hold on to your own keys, you will need to learn uh, what that means and how to do that, right? But do that education. Um, I haven't really got an episode explaining all about that. Uh, maybe I should do one, but there's plenty of YouTube guides and just re- you know read up until you know what you're doing, right? But so this post is says. Some of the 69 says, I realize what I'm about to say may be unpopular, but I'd like to start a genuine discussion on this topic. I understand what is being said when people repeat the not your keys phrase, but if Bitcoin wants to grow up, we need to get past that for a multitude of reasons. Full disclosure, I hold small amounts of Bitcoin in a hardware wallet, and I also have IRA funds invested in GBPC as well as some on Coinbase. Recently, I've been talking to family members about investing in Bitcoin, and I realize they have no business ever holding their own keys. I believe they are far better off using something like PayPal, Coinbase, Robinhood, or investing through GBTC, etc. These people are smart and educated, but older and not that tech savvy. Almost daily, I see a post here from someone that has managed to lose their coins in any number of ways. Yet, also daily, I see comments advising not to use PayPal, Cash App, Robinhood, or Coinbase to hold Bitcoin. Having a third party do the custodial duties is actually a valuable service to the majority of people. I know it's popular here to use hardware wallets and protect the seed words, but how will people handle that when they start to get dementia? I'm wondering what I'll do in a decade or three when I may not be as sharp as I am today. I believe insured custodial services are the future for the vast majority of future Bitcoin users and we shouldn't discourage their use. So the sort of story here is that the reason that people aren't holding their own cryptocurrency is because it's too complicated, right? It's too hard, it's too difficult. And that's that's true to some extent. Cryptocurrency is hard and difficult, but the main thing it is, is just new, is that people are not used to it, right? Uh, and it's a kind of a uh, Uncle Ben from Spider-Man type idea, right? With great power comes great responsibility. And that's what cryptocurrency is. Unlike the bank, where you're not really in control, you don't have that much power, uh, unfortunately, well, you also can't really screw things up. But in cryptocurrency, you, you're in control of your money. It's all you. So uh, however good of a job you do or however much you look after it or whatever, like then it's, it's, all, it's all you, right? And that means that then you can send any amount of money instantly to anywhere. Like, but you don't get those kind of capabilities without also having the responsibility that you have to learn how to look after it. So like once upon a time, you know, using your email was too new and scary to people because they didn't get it or they didn't understand or they clicked on scam links and downloaded malware and, you know, all kinds of stuff, right? But eventually people learned, they figured it out. They figured it out by trying it out and by learning. And that's how cryptocurrency has always been. And that's why things like Dogecoin are excellent because people can try it and they can lose all their coins, but hopefully they only had two dollars of it and it's not a big loss right but they they learn by experience uh how it works so in this kind of case uh this user here is sort of blaming uh the complexity for people not being able to hold their own coins but instead of thinking the solution is education uh they think that the future is custodial services that somebody else can hold your cryptocurrency when as i just explained that that defeats the whole point right if you have, uh, when they say, yeah, I believe insured custodial services, you know what that's called? That's called a bank. <laughs> that's what a bank is. When the whole point of cryptocurrency is not to have banks. Cryptocurrency was invented to provide an alternative to banks. And yet the uh, solution, the suggestion here is basically that we need the banks back. <laughs> 
right? Which is completely missing the point of cryptocurrency. If you want a bank, you've already got one. What's the problem, right? But if you want something different, you want something that can't be inflated away or can't be arbitrarily taken away from you or had like a haircut like they had in Cyprus where they just took away, you know, whatever it was, 40% of everybody's money to bail out the banks, all that kind of stuff, right? Then you have to you have to hold it yourself and that's what cryptocurrency um, provides. So this was just one user's opinion, right? I'm not saying that everybody agreed 100% with this, but they did get a bunch of these little, uh, let's see, three, six, eight, ten. So they got 10 little, uh, whatever they're called, guild, guildings. They got 10 little uh, awards from other users on, on Reddit. So it was, there was, and there are 509 upvotes, right? So a few people thought this was a good thing. It was on the front page. This was not a uh, niche opinion. And so somebody uh, in here, Kitsune Mori, uh, they responded with a, a question that's, that's, that sort of gets to the heart of the issue, but totally misses the point, right? So they said, a big part of why Bitcoin exists is to solve the problem of trust between untrustworthy parties. And just in case it's not clear to you, untrustworthy parties very much includes banks, exchanges, ETFs, and crap like BlockFi. The fundamental problem here is that they force you to trust them, and that they means they can run off with your, in quotation marks, money. They can enforce ar arbitrary laws like KYC and stop you using your, in quotation marks, money in ways they don't like. To the degree that they keep their vaults private, they can even lie about whether your, money even exists they can engage in shady practices like fractional reserve banking or quantitative easing they can do this because it's not quotation marks your money it's their money that is literally the bullshit bitcoin was invented to fix it simply makes no sense to wrap bitcoin in an untrustworthy second layer that defeats the entire purpose the only thing i i kind of agree with is that we can do better than that phrase Instead of saying, not your keys, not your coins, we ought to take action and develop some legitimate decentralized solutions that provide similar benefits without opening the door to corruption. So, uh, and then somebody else replied saying, these literally go hand in hand. If someone has the power to get your coins, a government or hacker can by definition force them to do so, right? So, and that, that hits the nail on the head, right? That's exactly, the, exactly right. That, that is the point of cryptocurrency. And if somebody else has your money then it's not your money it's their money and um, uh, what it said here it simply makes no sense to wrap Bitcoin in an untrustworthy second layer that defeats the entire purpose I agree with that 100 percent that's that's that that is the that is what the early uh, you know Bitcoin community knew and it's what uh, it's important to preserve in the idea of of cryptocurrency right and so what what is being missed in this entire discussion is that the reason people are not willing to hold their own coins is somewhat to do with complexity but really it's to do with fees <laughs> because uh, in the past like or in the present on bitcoin cash if you want to learn about cryptocurrency you can send yourself one dollar and you can send it around a little bit and get a feel for it and if you want to send it to an exchange, you can do that and it just works. You don't have to worry about it getting jammed up in the network and uh, not being able to sell it or not being able to buy some and hold it yourself because it would be too expensive to send it out and then back in. If you buy a hundred bucks and you send it to yourself for $20 and then back for $20, well, you've already got, only got 60 bucks left, right? But in Bitcoin Cash, where it's 0.001 uh, of fees, right? It's like so small that it doesn't even register. It's a rounding error. 
Uh, and that means that you can use it. You can hold your coins on chain. You can send them whenever you need to send them. You don't worry about, uh, you know, putting them all in an exchange or a Coinbase or whatever to look after it for you. But Bitcoin is not in that situation. And BTC, everybody is uh, frantically trying to do everything they can not to use the blockchain. When that's the whole technology, that's the whole point, is that it was a, a blockchain. It's there to be used, right? Otherwise, there's no value to it. And that's why Bitcoin is now a bubble. It was previously in bubbles. It went through those hype cycles that we uh, looked at. Uh, for many years, uh, you know, it would have those bubbles. It's even to some extent in one now. But this time around, it's different because this time people are not getting onboarded, learning about cryptocurrency and learning to hold their own uh, coins. Instead, this time around, there's people that are just speculating on it and are so far removed from what cryptocurrency actually is that they've never sent it anywhere. They've just bought it in an account and they're hoping that it's going to go up and they never got that hands-on experience with it or ever used it in any real commerce because it just costs too much money and they quickly find that out. And if they do try and send it somewhere, then they pretty much immediately make a post on Reddit saying, what is this scam? I bought $30 of Bitcoin and sent it somewhere. It cost me $20. What the hell? This is not like the future. And then hopefully at that point, their mind is open that uh, Bitcoin Cash uh, or some other cryptocurrency uh, does not have that uh, problem. You know, hopefully they can find their way to that information. So let's think then about the uh, price of Bitcoin and how it's going through the roof. And I want to say for the record that anybody is welcome to buy uh, BTC, right? If you, it's probably, you know, money is draining out of the fiat uh, economy into the cryptocurrency economy at an astounding rate, right? So I don't think that BTC is going to just instantly pop and just vanish and go nowhere, right? Probably the uh, the price is going to keep going up, right? Because if there's more and more dollars being created and there's less and less value in them, then uh, there is at least a fixed supply of Bitcoin and the, the price is going to go up. I think it, it's better to have uh, Bitcoin cash. You don't, you're not... Uh, at so much risk um, and there is a real economy being developed but if you think you can make uh, more value more money uh, in BTC well definitely you know buy some or hold some or you know give it give it a bit of a try right uh, listeners can make up the mind for themselves but let's just uh, think think this through a little bit right so the price of something is set by supply and demand and in cryptocurrencies the supply is perfectly known, right? I guess it, it does depend on some cryptocurrencies, but in BDC and BCH, it is perfectly known that there will be a limit of 21 million, which is released, um, you know, in a schedule where it uh, increases at a decreasing rate. So it's uh, an asymptote. Uh, and basically every four years, the amount of new Bitcoin uh, halves that is released. And so right now between 2009 when it was first released and 2021 we've had about 18.6 million bch and bdc these numbers were from a few days ago but essentially there's about 18.65 million bdc and 18.67 bch right so there's slightly more bch because they've mined a few more since the since the fork when they split but they're they're pretty they're pretty close and that uh 
that they're not going to diverge that much, right? And so, near, you know, by like 2036, it'll be like well over 98% of, of Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash will be mined and that just final amount just tails out forever and well not forever but uh, until 2140 right so a long a long long way yeah in the future but almost all the bitcoin has already been mined a huge uh, percentage of it you know more than 18 and a half out of 21 million and the rest of the supply crucially it's known so people can price that in in the market it's not some sudden surprise uh unlike uh, fiat currency right where the government announces oh we've we're creating uh, twice as much currency this month and everybody goes, oh, wow, they have a, a Federal Reserve meeting and suddenly everybody has to react to that, right? The Bitcoin Cash Network never, ever does that. Everyone knows what the uh, amount of the supply is and that's it. It's already decided. So what this means for anybody who has ever heard the most basic thing in economics is that supply uh, and demand sets the price, right? So if, if supply is known and it's already fixed, then, the, then what fluctuates to create the fluctuation in the price is demand. So let's look at what drives uh, demand in, in BTC and then we'll contrast it with BCH. So the first thing is fiat inflation, right? Uh, and that's what I was saying before about um, the, the more, more, more US dollars being printed, right? As there's more US dollars, more Australian dollars, more euros, more of every country, more <laughs> Venezuelan bolivars, as they just print away all these different ones, while the value is obviously going to decline. So that creates uh, demand for BTC. Now the second uh, category here is really interesting, which is coin burning. So I've got a video here that I'm going to uh, play recently, which was by this guy, his developer from Coinbase, talking to George Donnelly about uh, Bitcoin uh, burning the the supply. So let's just hear what he has to say about this. Now, unfortunately, the incentives in this world are very wrong. So I'm going to describe you an incentive system. I'm going to tell. I'm going to ask you, as a straw man, do you think this is right? Okay. So he's saying he doesn't okay. mind twenty dollar fees. Let's just take that at face value. Twenty dollar fees. Let's graph out all the UTXOs on the Bitcoin network. And let's figure out how many UTXOs are in Bitcoin that currently are less than $20. Because that's what he's advocating burning. Because that all those UTXOs will no longer be spendable because the fee to spend them will be greater than the value of the UTXO. So let's chop off 15% of the supply, maybe 20% of the supply, which is everyone that stacked sats that have UTXOs less than 20 bucks. Now, that's actually in his benefit that those people all get robbed. Because burning all those coins means his coins are worth more because he has larger UTXOs. Yes. This points out that Bitcoin A is completely not fungible. The amount of money a UTXO is holding directly impacts its actual performance on the network. So if your UTXO is less than the fee, your UTXO is worthless, you have no money. And if it's a higher than the fee, then it's worth money. So effectively, there's this cliff where the value completely disappears. And so what Michael Saylor is saying when he says that is, oh, well, high fees are okay. So we're cool with burning the, all the supply of UTXOs less than 20 bucks. And maybe he's advocating for $1,000 fees, right? That means he actually wants to burn every UTXO worth less than 1000 bucks, which would be like 40% of the supply. That would increase his holdings because nobody else could sell their Bitcoin 
because they couldn't send it to an exchange without losing all the value of the fucking Bitcoin. So their argument is just completely wrong. And if someone showed them a chart of UTXO utilization versus fees and the backward incentive of wanting to rob all of the people that have low amounts of Bitcoin to make their heavy bags worth more, then that's what they want to do and I have no part of that. But that's what they want to do, that's fine. That's the incentive they are advocating. And it's fine if they want to do that and rob a bunch of people for their own wealth. But. so there you go. So that was from uh, Josh Elithorpe, um, who is a uh, developer at uh, Coinbase. He, he contributes to some Bitcoin Cash uh, repositories and uh, uh, things as well too, right? But it, so what he's talking about is Michael Saylor, who is this guy who runs a like a big financial company called MicroStrategies, and they have recently been investing in Bitcoin and. Uh, they bought a bunch of it and they've been sort of a champion of the BTC Bitcoin uh, community because obviously they're hyping it up and whatever, right? But uh, what, you know, Josh is explaining here is that in uh, Bitcoin, I mean, setting us all this stuff about UTXOs, if you didn't follow that, that's fine. Suffice to say that if you only have $20 of Bitcoin uh, in the simple uh, sense, and then and the fees are twenty dollars. Then you can't send it anywhere, right? It's pretty fucking obvious. And if you have even if you have twenty five dollars, well, it would cost you twenty out of those twenty five dollars to send it anywhere. So you're probably just gonna wait and hope that the fees go down or that it goes ridiculously up in value, right? Because are you really gonna send something twenty dollars to only spend five dollars? Like that's never really an economical thing to do. Uh, and so if you look at all the distribution of Bitcoin around to everybody, then all of the people who have those smaller amounts, uh, especially like they don't even necessarily need to be, maybe they have more Bitcoin in total. But let's say you have some of it on your phone, you have some of it on your computer, you have some of it on the exchange, right? You have it all in different uh, locations. Well, then those individual locations are obviously much more impacted by those those fees rising and the higher and higher those fees rise the more and more of bitcoin is effectively burnt right it's unspendable it's effectively gone from the supply because the people who have um the 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 huge stashes of bitcoin like hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars of it well they can afford it if the fee goes from twenty dollars to fifty dollars maybe it doesn't make them uh, much difference from their point of view but from the point of view of somebody who has a hundred dollars well if it goes from twenty dollars to fifty dollars that's catastrophic right and so this is where we come to this uh demand drivers for btc which is as the coins are just burnt and burnt and burnt by the fees the price is going to go higher because supply and demand right so the supply is shrinking but it's shrinking because the whole network is becoming unusable except for the very 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 rich and what does that do? Well, it encourages everybody to hold their coins on Coinbase, on Robinhood, on, uh, you know, whatever custodial services, which is what that user was saying that we just looked at before. So they're advocating for that. And even if they don't understand it, this is the reason they're advocating for that. And people are naturally tending to that behavior anyway, because the, it's so expensive to send uh, on the chain, right? 
Okay, so we've got fiat inflation, we've got coin burning, and then we've got uh, investors, right? And they're in two categories. So one is institutional demand. So that's like micro strategies. That's like any of the big Wall Street hedge funds, or if like a government decided they want to buy in, they would be buying, you know, $5 million at a time. So for them, $20, $50, $100, whatever the fee, they don't, they don't fucking care. They'll just buy some. Uh, so they can create a lot of demand, but not they're not impacted by the fee. So no matter how high the fee gets, they're probably still going to want Bitcoin, right? So uh, that's part of the reason why we've seen this huge surge in the values because a lot of these institutional investors are now buying in and they're buying huge chunks and they're not looking at well, is this going to be sustainable as a real economy or anything? Because they don't care. They just want to buy some, stick it in a vault, their digital gold, right? And then number four is, uh, so yeah, you have the institutional demand. Number four is the retail demand, right? Which is also just investors, but it's the the little the little guy, right? It's just uh, small uh, households out there, right? Mums and dads or whoever it is buying uh, amounts of cryptocurrency and they're going to buy $100, $200, $500, whatever it is that they buy. Uh, and for them, $20 fees, $30 fees, $50 fees, that's a lot of fees, right? And it's just gonna keep going up because of that, because that cap as more people, like even uh, with how hyped it is, Bitcoin is only used by a tiny percentage of the world population so far. How could this ever, ever scale to be uh, billions of people? The fees, it just, it's just not possible, right? So uh, when you think about that, Okay, fiat inflation, coin burning, institutional demand and retail demand, none of those are real adoption, basically. None, none of those are merchants want it because they're trading for goods and services or consumers want it to use apps that they couldn't use, uh, like tipping people online or um, you know NFTs, trading NFTs or anything. There's none of that. <laughs> it's none of those use cases are supported when the fees are that high. And that is really in the long run, what makes a cryptocurrency successful is that people want to use it to trade for goods and services. That's the whole point of an economy. Uh, so let's have a look then at BCH, right? So if we contrast that, what are the demand drivers for BCH and how are they different or the same? Uh, as to BTC. So the first one is fiat inflation. So they shares that with BTC. It's affected about the same way, which is especially because the coin supply is the same as um, more and more US dollars are printed and so on and so forth, then uh, it's better for uh, Bitcoin cash because over time the value will naturally uh, creep up in terms of US dollars just because there's more US dollars. But that process also creates in the mind of the market, people, they realize, wait a second, my value of my dollars is constantly decreasing, whereas Bitcoin's, Bitcoin cash is going up. Maybe I should have some cryptocurrency instead, right? Okay, number two, we've got institutional demand. So much the same as, uh, as with BTC, you do have institutions starting to figure out. And I have this one here, Grayscale's Bitcoin Cash and Litecoin products are trading at premiums of more than a thousand percent. This is quite outdated. This was from uh, November here, but basically Grayscale are one of the bigger investors, you know, Wall Street types in uh, cryptocurrency. And they actually have done quite a portfolio, right? Where they've got uh, several different coins on the go. And uh, I, I found this website a little while ago that had these really good 
uh, stats of how many they had of each different coin and what the difference was in the price between the uh, price that you can buy on an exchange versus what their uh, publicly traded asset was because people could be buying in with their um, retirement funds and stuff to buy these, you know, like it was a regular stock market type of thing. And so there's a lot of interesting stats there, right? So I don't have the stats right now because I couldn't find this website, but basically uh, there are some people also buying Bitcoin Cash on Wall Street, just like Michael Saylor is buying BTC. And so uh, so there's, there is there is some of that, but obviously less. And that's part of the reason why it's 108 to one, because there's some percentage of that is uh, lesser institutional demand. Now for number three, you've got retail demand, uh, which like we were saying, small uh, adopters, 100 bucks, 200 bucks, whatever. But the, the cru crucial difference here, the crucial difference, I cannot underscore how important that is, is that a much higher percentage, I'm not gonna say every single one, but obviously a much higher percentage of uh, Bitcoin cash holders will be holding on chain. They will have tried out cryptocurrency, they will understand all this stuff that I've explained, and they'll be holding their Bitcoin cash in their wallet themselves, right? And the security model of cryptocurrency is the opposite to fiat currency. In fiat currency, you put your money in a bank because the bank knows how to protect it. But in cryptocurrency, it's the opposite. When everybody puts their money onto an exchange, then the exchange gets hacked and all the money vanishes, right? In the fiat currency, you have governments and laws and regulations that can take care of that. But fiat currency doesn't, uh, I mean, cryptocurrency doesn't uh, pay attention to that. In cryptocurrency, the way it's secure is because the effort to hack you or, you know, your friend or your mom, every different person has their own different uh, security arrangements uh, for basically a trivial amount of money, according to a hacker. But if one, if they can bust one exchange, if they can just find one flaw in one exchange, then they can get, you know, a hundred million dollars right there. Whereas it would take so much more effort for so much less reward to individually track down a certain person and try and figure out exactly what they've done with their cryptocurrency, right? So uh, with Bitcoin Cash, the adoption is it's on chain. There are people learning how to use uh, cryptocurrency and the listeners, you know, I super, super encourage that. If you're new to Bitcoin Cash, if this is the first you've ever heard about it, Go try it out. Go and buy $1 or $3 or $5 or ask your friend who has some to send or post in the comments and say, Jeremy, send me some Bitcoin cash and post an address and I'll send you, you know, 20 cents or something. And just just start to get uh, familiar with it as a, as a new technology because that's really important and that's not what is happening in BTC. And as a result in Bitcoin BTC, there's huge fragility in their economy because they're much more likely to suffer another huge hack or they're much um, more likely to have, well, they're basically locked off now from having any sort of real adoption, right? They can't have people trading it for goods and services because it's just too expensive. So it's all going to be people holding it in Coinbase, hoping to get rich in US dollars or uh, people like Michael Saylor, who's just hoping the fees go up so that his huge stash of Bitcoin becomes more valuable and he can trade it off to some other bank, right? Because uh, he's definitely not going to be trading off to, to small investors. Uh, and so there, but unlike uh, BTC, obviously there is no burning of UTXOs. There's no problem with the fees on BCH. So 
it is still just 0.01 cent, uh, you know, 0.01 dollars uh, to send, and it's going to stay that way, and that's the plan. So even though we saw the transactions are the same, the fees are low, and that's a really, really good thing. It means people can actually fucking use it. Uh, and what do you know? That's <laughs> that's what's happening, right? Uh, and I think we are starting to see that uh, virally spread around the world. So I have an example here of this guy, David Bond, who he got funded with 300 uh, Bitcoin Cash, so more than $150,000 uh, on this sort of promise that he was going to make these videos and market uh, Bitcoin Cash in Thailand. So I've got uh, this video that he made here. So let's just have a quick uh, listen to that. Uh, this is he's at a restaurant where he can uh, pay in in Bitcoin Cash in Thailand, right? And here's what the owner has to say. But now uh, we have a deal that maybe as her salary, just a smidgen, just so she doesn't feel you know unsafe. I'm gonna pay her with Bitcoin Cash uh, as part of her salary, and then the other would be just the Thai baht for now. Um, you guys came what uh, last week? <laughs> okay, that's your naked pictures. But anyway, that's another way to make Bitcoin Cash. Um, so you guys gave her 300 baht. I think it was a week ago or two weeks ago, and now it's 314 baht. Last time we came here, I gave all the employees 10 bucks, and she took a lot of interest in that, so I thought, you know what, why not do it again? And just do a little bit more. <laughs> Take a look. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Tell your friends and send them one bot, one bot, one bot. One bot, one bot, okay. Two bot. Well, people on the internet might give you tips. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> and then you literally just swipe it and the bill is paid. And then now I got his, uh, you know, transaction within under a second. Pretty cool. I think I'm just going to get a tattoo full of like, you know, QR codes. <laughs> so, yeah, like as you can see from this uh, shop owner here in uh, Thailand and she had an employee who said, hey, pay me a little bit in, in Bitcoin cash. Uh, just because David Bond was spreading around, she thought, wait, this is pretty cool. And uh, obviously the shopkeeper, she's accepting Bitcoin cash, so she's getting it from customers so she can pay her staff in it. And then her staff can go to some other place, right? Apparently there's a few now in Thailand that are accepting it. And th that's an economy, right? That's, that's the whole point. It's a currency. It's a cryptocurrency, but actually a currency and not just a speculative thing in uh, Coinbase or, or, or what have you, right? And this is amazing. This is what the whole point of it is. And this is what we're going to see more and more, uh, especially in Bitcoin Cash, right? Because it's the one cryptocurrency that is focused on this, not not NFTs, not digital gold, not holding it in a freaking exchange, not memes with Dogecoin. It's about actually making it a real viable uh, economy. And so the important thing for me as well uh, about this kind of scenario is that the uh, market will kick off peer-to-peer -peer in Thailand because uh, like David was uh, saying to this uh, waitress, uh, just send a little bit to your friends, right? And they won't need to have a Coinbase or uh, an exchange that they wire their money to and they, they can just trade amongst themselves. Uh, if they have 
you know, some Thai bot. She can just give it to her. Her friend can give her some Thai bot and she can just send them some uh, Bitcoin cash. And then there you go. It's just trading. There is no central exchange that can get hacked or, uh, you know, regulated or anything. It's just going to flow around. Uh, in their economy and that will obviously spread around to everybody who's in the the local area and the people in that local area even though cryptocurrency is volatile and like we've discussed before on the podcast uh, there's an episode about volatility what episode was it uh i can't remember but there's one there's one about volatility if you didn't listen to that you can go listen to that and find out um what the uh you know what what all what the deal is with uh volatility um but there's you know even though volatility has one way to manage it here is one way to manage it right which is that uh if the if the currency just spreads around peer-to-peer well individuals obviously know their own financial situation right they know okay well maybe if i only have one percent of my uh net worth or or whatever in bitcoin cash then if it goes up or it goes down it's not going to be the end of the world right and so people are just going to uh, the market risk is spread across all the uh, participants. And especially if there's a lot of trading going on locally, then the risk is even less because if they suddenly decide, wait, I've got too much or whatever, they could just sell it to somebody else very easily. Um, so all of this is this kind of on-chain uh, activity and people can just onboard very rapidly in this way, right? Not like with uh, BTC, where okay, you have to convince somebody and blah blah blah. Like <laughs> those ads on the underground of Bitcoin, you've got to buy it, and they've got to go on this service. They got all that stuff, right? They've got to submit their documents and get approved, and then wire in their money, and it takes three days. And none of that, right? It's literally just she says to her friend, "Hey, download the Bitcoin.com app, scan, send, done." Right? It takes under two minutes, right? Uh, under 20 seconds if you discount the time to actually download the app uh, you know and when you when you see that happening or if you if you've done that uh, yourself if you've onboarded somebody to Bitcoin cash or uh, you've been onboarded somebody to Bitcoin cash you you know how how quick and easy that is right so this can snowball very fast and it's that kind of viral property that we were talking about uh at the start of the episode so i'm super glad to see this and this is what is going to drive uh, bitcoin cash uh, overtaking bitcoin right is because uh, even if the market as a whole which is largely predicated on speculation and these institutional investors and so on and so forth even if they don't see it or they don't catch on right away this kind of uh, spreading around organically in communities that are actually using it for real trade, that's going to happen just in all these little pockets of the world uh, until at a certain point, uh, or at the same time, fees are just going up and up and up in Bitcoin. So that's becoming less and less viable. And at the same time, Bitcoin Cash is becoming more and more viable because uh, everywhere you look, there'll be people starting to accept it for their little business and just trading it here and there and just one transaction between two mates turns into three or four as their other friends get interested and they start sending around and they're trading for a couple beers and then suddenly it's like well maybe i should ask my job to pay me 10 percent in bitcoin cash like this uh waitress did here you know and especially if the price then kicks off right that's not essential actually uh but it will amplify the effect uh, which is that when the price goes up, it has a thing called the wealth effect. You can look it up. It's a psychologically 
you know, proven thing, which is that basically if the value of your money doubles, well, you're pretty happy to spend some of that, right? Because you think it's basically free money in your own mind, right? So in previous Bitcoin bubbles, like I was saying, uh, when the price got up and the community was all celebrating, that's what would happen. Bitcoin merchants would see huge surges because uh, Bitcoin holders would be happy to buy this and that that they wanted a new video game or they wanted a new whatever that they wouldn't have bought necessarily except that the price of bitcoin had gone up so it was basically free and they thought yeah i want that i'll just get it and that's what that can happen in in uh, bch and it will happen uh, whenever the price uh, takes off right but it can't happen in bc because the fees are so high that it massively just uh, counteracts that effect so you might be saying to me all right well jeremy this all sounds well and good but this is one cafe in thailand like What's, you know, is it, maybe it's just that this one guy is just handing out uh, Bitcoin Cash in Thailand. But it is happening elsewhere, right? So this is in uh, South America. This is in Caracas, Venezuela. I've got a picture here of this guy, uh, Angel. Uh, Angel. <laughs> yes, Angel, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> uh, who is uh, onboarding merchants in South America. So George Donnelly, who was uh, part of that interview we saw earlier about the burning the UTXOs, He's in South America and he's doing the exact same thing, which is spreading around this idea of Bitcoin Cash as an actually tradable asset that goes between uh, d different people. And they're going to merchants and saying, look, dear, could you accept this for payments? And then they're going to people and explaining to them, but what if you use this instead of the Venezuelan Bolivar, right? Which is hyperinflating. So everybody's already primed and in the mindset of this uh, government currencies is not working. We need a different system. Uh, and so uh, this is it happening here, right, in uh, Venezuela. So I have these two examples of um, Venezuela and uh, Thailand, uh, you know, Bangkok, but uh, this is happening all, all over the world, maybe in some places more or faster than others and maybe not down the road from, you know, any individual person, especially if they're not, uh, if they're in a you know, a, a rich area or a country with a stable financial system or high trust in the government, but in places where it's lower and uh, in poorer parts of the world, in South America, in Asia, in uh, Africa, those kind of areas, it's the ball is starting to get rolling and that's what's leading to some of this uh, increase in the transaction count that, that we've been seeing and that effect is only going to uh, increase. So because of all those uh, reasons that th this is the dream. This is why I say, yeah, following Bitcoin Cash on its rise to global reserve currency, this is, this is how it gets there step by step. Uh, and it's why Bitcoin Cash is, it's, is not a, a bubble. It's just a new monetary system. It's just gonna be a new you know, form of money, currency that is just traded around for real goods and services and maybe it becomes more valuable than the usd obviously because uh there's more economic activity happening on it more people uh building faith in this new limited supply type of system but b2c doesn't have any of that nobody's actually trading b2c for real goods and services it's all just financial uh, speculation and that's not to say you can't make money on it like i said uh if you want to buy into it you can uh, you know, the, but it's about picking the top, right? Because at a certain point, uh, it just, it just, it can't, it can subsume more and more, uh, 
you know US dollar value but if there's no real commerce happening it's not it's not an actual sustainable economy it's just uh, you, you're buying into it hoping that somebody else buys into it as well which pushes the value up so that you can sell out right and that's just a cycle of everybody trying not to be the greater fool who at the end is left with the Bitcoin when everybody else realized wait a second I actually need to spend this uh, let me just sell it and get Bitcoin cash oh wait Bitcoin cash does everything Bitcoin can do but it's actually usable right there's actually I can buy a burger and I can my mate down the road will take it and stuff like that with Bitcoin I can't do can't do really any of that so yeah that's uh, pretty much the end of the end of the episode um, as always the slides and resources are available at uh, bitcoincashpodcast.com and the show as well is on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Stitcher, the RSS feeds uh, it goes out there so if you're on any of those uh, platforms yeah, you can you know subscribe or listen to it there um, I want to say a massive thank you, massive thank you to the, the donators for uh, because in the last week there, there's been a lot of people have uh, donated and some people have donated uh, a good chunk of money as well too um, you know which has just been uh, been amazing uh, for me I will uh, obviously try and make good good use of that uh, money so I, I do have some ideas I'm a little bit limited at the moment um, with the uh, the pandemic still sort of winding up winding down and everything um, but I do, you know, have some ideas and I will be thinking about, uh, what are some good ways that I can, uh, put some of that money to use in, uh, you know, evangelizing Bitcoin cash and, uh, spreading it around, uh, to, to everybody. So, uh, yeah, but I'm not, a, I'm not a marketing genius, so, uh, we might, uh, wait and see what sort of form this takes or, or how effective it is, but. I am thinking about that and uh, yeah, it's, uh, sincerely uh, thank you very much uh, to my pseudonymous uh, Bitcoin Cash uh, donators. But yeah, anybody who's enjoying the show, obviously uh, you can do the same. Like I was uh, saying before, you know, just give it a go, try it out, uh, buy a little bit of Bitcoin Cash, send it to a few people. It doesn't have to be me, but send it to somebody and it'll start to click in your head oh wow okay you know it, it seems to be all mystical and special when you first start using it but uh, pretty quickly you'll start to just get over the hump of thinking about it as some big deal and more just thinking about it just when you need to trade things for other things like you do you buy your milk or your you know cereal or <laughs> whatever it is you're buying you can just start looking for ways to buy it in Bitcoin cash and sometimes those opportunities will come up and if they do go for it you know um, and as that convinces you that this is actually going to be future money of the world uh, the rest will sort of follow from there uh, and you'll you'll uh, you'll understand um, yeah so no uh, shout outs really on the show the donators that's the shout out is is to them but uh, I hope you all enjoyed I'll be back uh, obviously at some stage with another episode I've got a uh, topic in mind and everything um, uh, probably with a guest too I don't want to do too many ones that are just me rambling into the microphone uh, but I hope you enjoyed uh, and until next time he pulled out his laptop and rang up the site Looked at me and said, this will change your whole life Then he started explaining the basics to me The miners make money by taking the fee Every time a transaction is made incomplete And they work every minute and day of the week A guy named Satoshi
flow she created this all He's the mastermind of it, the brain and the balls There's a lot more to say but before I begin Just tell me right now if you're out or you're in